Welcome to another episode of Movie Sherpas with me, Jason, and my fellow buddy in crime here, Mr. Warren. That's it. Dude, Movie Sherpas. Yes, we, again, if you're not familiar, if this is, you know, the first time you've heard us, we are here to guide you and blaze the trail towards the Blockbuster K2 base camp of the unsummitable mountain that is your streaming services. Yeah, uh, let us be your guide. <laughs> let us be Let's... your guide. That kind of sounded like uh, Professor Farnsworth. <laughs> let us be your guide, everyone. Good news, Fry. <laughs> it's a suppository. No, um, that's it. But uh, we so okay. It's we were we were gonna talk about Jurassic Park. Just Jurassic Park, what it means to movies, all that kind of stuff, the sequels. All of those things. And we still are. But what runs kind of in parallel, at least in the conversation, was Die Hard. And Die Hard, it's a Die Hard for me. That's my, that's like my favorite movie. It's one yeah, of those. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's not only maybe the only Christmas movie. That your dad would watch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then just it's... to answer the hot debate over it's like we're we're not here to force down your throat that Die Hard's a Christmas movie. I happen to think of it as a Christmas movie, and it's totally cool if you don't. Right. <laughs> Gremlins is a Christmas movie, right? Like a lot of these movies are Christmas movies. It doesn't need to have Santa Claus in it. Or necessarily be about Christmas. Like everyone's yeah, over here talking to me. Yeah. And I said Die Hard's a Christmas movie. And people think that I just, you know, I don't even know what they think I said. But they're like, fucking not. Stop it. And like, listen, I'm I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just saying to me, it's a Christmas movie. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> so, you know, it's an action movie that happens during Christmas. It's a fucking Christmas movie. <laughs> Dude, it, it, the, I mean, through the same premise, some of the movies that they put on like Amazon Prime when they label it under black cinema, it's just like, where is the bar for that? Like, because we're talking like directors written by, produced by, because some of these movies just have black people in them, and that is borderline offensive. Yeah, <laughs> like, really. Be like, this is you, black cinema because not... there's ice. There is a black man in this movie four minutes in in the background like <laughs> buying a soda like that's not the same thing right like but it's just like they started with great intentions and the more you look through that list you're just like is there even a black guy in that movie like like i'm not sure that there is but um no that that, that is so bizarre but no it's, it's the same premise though like um christmas movies have this you know it now we didn't say it was a holiday movie right Right. Otherwise, I'd say that it was like Gremlins only, but it is a Christmas, just like Gremlins is a Christmas movie because it takes part, it, like the the movie takes place at Christmas. Yes, right during the festivities, and um, and they make the best movies. Gremlins is an outstanding movie for Christmas. It's one of my favorite ones, um, and such as Die Hard is also because mm -hmm. the off was it the Office Christmas Party. I mean, yeah, it was the, exactly like that. I mean, you, you, I'm just saying it's 
if if you if you stop uh, if you stop thinking about the movie in and of itself and think about the setting of the movie it's a christmas it's it's a movie that happens during christmas name another movie that happens during christmas that's not a christmas movie yeah it's it's pretty tough it's it's, it's a difficult one it's a difficult one so you know yeah, <laughs> but anyway, that's not what yeah. we're here to talk about. We're we're kind of drawing a parallel between the two because they're both Jurassic Park and Die Hard are both blockbuster franchises that happened in two very distinct eras of movie making. Right? Die Hard happened, you know. Die Hard one, in fact, well, Die Hard one through three. They all took place before 1996. They happened in two very distinct eras of movie making. Jurassic Park was, you know, the the advent of the big effects films, and Die Hard was the even Die Hard with a Vengeance, even though it's fin- phenomenal visual effects and everything, was kind of the tail end of the gritty, you know, the gritty practical effect, uh, at, it's singular protagonist singular protagonist action film yeah see for me i think i draw a line between uh die hard and jurassic park for um memorable the most memorable scenes like of of that time because um i throw another one in there that probably did it for a the scene itself for a much lesser budget although the film was probably just about equal it's uh, scenes that had an impact on me as a kid was one, the Tyrannosaurus Rex scene. Oh yeah. Uh, st- that still holds up today. Like it just does. Like you can watch uh, Endgame and Thanos looks funky now. Mm-hmm. A little bit after, but like that T Rex still looks legit. That's <laughs> like it just does. And that's a that's a I mean a, a it's a testament to Stan Winston. God rest him. And thank God that the Stan Winston effects school. And his institute and his company, um, you know, is it's still still going strong, still making things uh, just like ILM and all of those other ones. They folded into the visual visual effects stuff. That's what's heavy these days. But, you know, Stan Winston, uh, Steven Spielberg had said, you know, Stan, you built Terminators. Can you build me a T-Rex? And Stan Winston went, uh huh. Yeah, I could do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and yeah, he they, did. And it's you know did. there's none of I mean, that anymore really. No, no, there there really isn't. I mean, aside from you know, some cosplayish armors and a couple masks here and there, I mean there's very few creatures. And even then we're talking um, you know, as good as a film as Gremlins is and as good as the practical effects in that film are. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're when you're comparing that to a Tyrannosaurus Rex, <laughs> like it's especially it, one it's that, hard. Especially yeah. like one that that they they built that thing, they built that thing for it to be used on it's almost they kind of it's it's funny. They tell they they the stories that they tell about the T-Rex sort of run parallel uh to the stories that Spielberg tells about Bruce from Jaws, it was almost as problematic uh, because it's you people don't your your average moviegoer 
doesn't understand how rain works in a movie. They see it on screen, and it's like, oh, it's raining. It's 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 raining. Obviously, it's raining, and it's a monsoon, so it's raining heavily. Okay, great. What they don't know is to make the water translate onto film. It has to be at least ten times the deluge. <laughs> So you go from, like, having it just, like, we need it to be, you know, Stan, we need it to be able to run in rain. It's got, it's, the scene with the T-Rex is is raining, it's raining, and Stan Winston's like, okay, and he builds it to be able to be used in the rain. And then Spielberg's like, uh, could it work underwater? (laughs) Because that's kind of what's going to (laughs) happen. And. And, and and Winston's like, probably, I don't know. And it proves to not, you know, sometimes. But that was the brilliance of Spielberg in the movie. He had that from Jaws back in the 70s. And he was like, they they take, they take into great effect and use the impact tremors, the boom of the footsteps, the roar, you know, and then, and then integrating these, incredible visual effects and practical effects with CGI at that even today is almost, I mean, if you, if you watch it like upscaled in 4k, blah, 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 you know, through the Hubble space, we bounced it through the Hubble space telescope and back down to your dish. This is now 64 K. Yeah. You can see the pores on Jeff Goldblum's That's dick. A- like, from space through the tip of your dick to your screen. Exactly. That's how it's going to be. That's foreskin K. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, It's, um, no. It, yeah. It, I Like, I think we've talked about this a number of times, but yeah, it, it diminishes it more than it helps it. Right. It, like, it definitely does. And it really, it's really just, it's a matter of, it's a matter of understanding the film that you're watching is from the nineties. And you should be watching it in a resolution that was possible in the 90s, which 1080p was 100% possible then. And and a lot of people don't know that's that's the res that film was presented in on the screen. You know, that's that's the that's why movies look different when you brought them home and they were formatted to fit formatted to be played on your screen because they had to format the resolution. So if you watch Jurassic Park in standard HD, it still translates. It's still fantastic. It's just when you start to bump up the frame rate and all that kind of stuff where that doesn't look real at all. It's like, well, only, I mean, even real life, real things don't look real when you shoot them in 8K and 60 FPS. Look at at, uh, The Hobbit. Like, people hated that when they played it in 60 frames per second at Mm -hmm. the movie theaters. Oh, yeah. People People hated it. It looked weird. They were like, "This looks strange." Looks so, and, it, and it's not this. You know, I mean, it's just because it's not been done. Yeah, like, it's, it's a, just it's, it's a so format. Foreign. It's a format that we're not used to in a res and it's a resolution. It's not necessarily a resolution, but it's a frame rate we're not used to seeing on a scale we've never seen it on before. Like the first yeah, time, I, I, the first time you I, saw I, like a sixty FPS YouTube video, you were like, "That looks fucking weird." Yeah, no, for sure. But yeah. like, I, that's where I think that it serves its purpose, right? Is with streamers and modern day, right, videos. But mm-hmm. I don't think it's for cinema. I, I no. don't. I, I just think that cinema needs a 
silk screen in front of it. Yeah, to, uh, 24 FPS, man. It's the it's been the industry yeah, just, standard since cameras were invented. Yeah. You know, just to blend the effects with the practical and the practical with the actors. And it just creates mm-hmm. this middle ground where everything blends together. And then once you get past that, now you're just ruining the movie on purpose. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just like... And- and that and that carries that that point there, you know, blending of the visual and the the visual and digital effects, the in camera, and the in camera effects, and then the post production effects. Uh, we talk about Die Hard, the very first Die Hard. You know, you're talking about an action movie that shot in that shot largely on sound stages, and has to portray being shot in a thirty story building, and uh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of camera tricks there's a lot of perspective things there's a lot of uh there's a lot of in camera stuff that John McTiernan and all the people involved with that movie took advantage of like when they dropped Hans out the window they didn't drop Hans out the window they held Hans in one spot you know and then dropped him into a green screen the a really funny story about that is uh, because the the shot on Hans had to be so tight, uh, they really needed to drop. Uh, why can't I think of Alan Rickman? They really had to drop him, like they could. And he was on a belay system; it was very controlled. But one thing that McTiernan uh, said to the stunt coordinator is, "Don't tell him when you're going to drop him. Just drop him." And they they and then they ran the camera in a high frame rate to catch you know to catch the fall and to make it look genuine, but when you see Rickman fall and he looks up at the camera, it's all surprised. That's real. <laughs> like he didn't know yeah. that he was going to get dropped at that point. So I mean, yeah. it's it's stuff like that that would you would it would be faked. It's or it's, for me, it's a time in Hollywood for me that has never come close since. And that's, again, probably due to, like, childhood and whatnot. But there was just a time there when I remember the first time I saw the T-Rex scene and I hid behind my couch. Yeah. And I heard that noise, that Mm -hmm. noise. And that's another thing that gets underrated in that movie. Practical effects for sure, but the sound, the sounds, the sound guys who came up with that noise. And I remember as a kid hiding behind the couch being like, that's a fucking dinosaur. So yeah. like, Dude, I was se- guys- I was seven years old when that movie came out, man. I, I, my parents took me to that in the theater. And I remember oh. being absolutely terrified. Dude, yeah, no. And, and like people, I think today it doesn't translate the same because movies have become so extreme and stuff like that. But for that time, I mean, uh, what other movies I'd probably seen at that age like I was not prepared at all that that was something that could happen. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like I went into that movie with complete confidence. They're like, this is probably going to be okay. Like, dinosaurs yeah, like, we're gonna be are fine. like, you know, land before time. I, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, it's I, fine. I, I totally, I took, and, and then, it. you know, it's, uh, yeah, it, 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 it stuck with me forever. Um, I actually remember the second time that I watched it was maybe two years later. And I rented it from a blockbuster, and my mom was like, "I'm not sure I want to rent this because last time you hid <laughs> behind the fucking couch and didn't even watch it." I was right. like, "No, I have to see it again. Like, I have to, I have to see it." Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and then, you know, you, you watch it and you 
don't hide behind the couch and you really sink in you're just it just is amazing another scene that stuck with me was um the lambo no um never ending story the mm. yellow eyes oh yeah the yeah the how they like, how they did that yeah mm. that is another scene that sticks with me as utterly terrifying from my childhood i mean you want to talk about you want to talk about practical in-camera effects and everything i mean that's your for the land before the uh land before time the uh never-ending story where you know all of that is soundstage and forced perspective and matte paintings yeah. and all and you know and uh one of the coolest uh for the listeners and for warren i don't know if you've ever uh looked at it but if you go and onto youtube right now one of my favorite shows growing up was called movie magic it, it was a show that ran yeah. i think it ran between 1992 and 1998 i think it might have been 2000 it might have run it might have run for about eight years but it was all of the classic movies how they made the movies that i was watching during that that time period and they do one on Atreyu, they do or uh, whatever his name. I think that's I, I think that's yeah. what the thing's name is. Uh, forgive me, forgive me, never-ending story purists out there that are punching their can their their computer screens right now. But they show you how you know this this puppet, this rotted puppet and everything that the boys riding on a big one that they built. And then to get the kid riding on the back, it's a it's a perspective shot that's not green screened, but blocked out on the film. So they have they shoot it's a double exposure. And it's just like you think now like this thing behind me, I could make that here in my office. Yeah. With my son, I could I could I could shoot him riding my office chair and then put a thing underneath him like a and, and I could do that here. I can't imagine the ingenuity in these older movies. Even even talking about Die Hard and Die Hard and Jurassic Park, two starkly disparate. Like there's they're nothing alike as far as their yeah. plot points goes and what kind of movies they are. But John McTiernan was figuring out very similar. Like how do you make an action movie that doesn't go anywhere? Like how do you yeah. how do you how do you create peril in an enclosed environment? Like, how do you do that? And then Spielberg's trying to figure out, like, how do I make a movie about fucking dinosaurs? <laughs> like, like yeah, I don't yeah. even... <laughs> and just the, the level... The level of problem solving inherent in both films is something that... Uh, yeah, that it's, even it's, though it's, it's weird to talk about the two of them, it's like you can almost... It's almost obvious to talk about those two movies because of what they did for the genres that they, that they were uh, made in. For sure, uh, like the for me, like again, I'm gonna in, intervene. Intervene the never-ending story thing is like you said. It's just like it. It shows you how genius it is when literally every kid with a YouTube channel has the same capability today to do mm-hmm. that, and no one does it. Like that's how smart these people were to create yeah. that fucking whole environment the whole like that fantasy land that i mean i don't think anything's come close i mean we've had movies like avatar and even like valerian and stuff like that show us these fantasy but nothing has ever like captured my fantasy element uh, in that sense like 
for me never ending story went it like took the labyrinth and was like have you ever tried steroids have you ever have you ever done that <laughs> like, like and, and yeah. just fucking was like yeah boy let's go like mm-hmm. and you know like i said it's the same thing the scenes that stick with you that scene with the that like if you look at them in 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 comparison you've got um the jurassic park scene the t-rex insane it's insane the amount of money the production stuff like that yeah and the result for, and for then like you have like a minute of film <laughs> yeah and then, and then you have like die hard the explosions the controlled explosions the the action the stuff like that the budget goes into that and then to think that like never ending story could create that same sense of peril with a pair of yellow eyes in a dark space and a, yeah. and a creepy voice like mm-hmm. and it just shows you right like it's free scenes that kind of want the same reaction but went a different way with the budget like how are we how it's the how of it isn't it it's like how are we going to achieve it right and um exactly for for me like the diehard scene is with the uh the semi when um i always remember that from the dvd commercial when you get vhs tapes and they would play dvd and then it's just like, yes. and they would show all the clip, and it was all like clips from Die Hard, and they had like the semi would like, and you're just like, whoa, <laughs> like yeah. that's insane. Like, and uh, no, but it, it, like I said, that shit is crazy to do, but like if you watch movies today and things blow up, and you don't care that things blow up, but yeah. like then when that thing blew up, you were like, wow, <laughs> like that's yeah, ex- exactly when and. I think a lot of the times, if actually again for the Jurassic Park purists, the uh, like someone in the comments, actually the uh, T Rex was on screen for fourteen minutes. So I looked yep. that up, and it was fourteen there minutes. But anyway, yeah, fuck you. Anyway, but, no, yeah. uh, <laughs> but the the other thing with that is um, pacing as well, right? Because in Jurassic Park, it wouldn't have worked if they didn't do it the way they did it. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, we get to Jurassic Park and we don't see any dinosaurs yet. We go to the enclosures, yeah. just like when you go to the zoo and you show up to, like, the panther exhibit and you can't see the fucking panthers. You're, like, looking clean in there and it's not there. You're like, where the fuck is the fuck? You know what I mean? And they're mm-hmm. like, you know, and then we see the happy dinosaurs, right? The good one, like, we see, like, the long necks and all that shit. Yeah. Like, wow, that's so amazing. And then we're slowly introduced to, like, oh, yeah, there's also these guys there's also there's also these six foot tall murder donkeys that you know (laughs) want nothing more than to disembowel you and eat you while you're still alive yeah and 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 then there's this 40 there's this 40 foot uh there's this 40 foot semi truck with teeth (laughs) that runs faster than your jeep goes (laughs) so mm, sorry about that it's yeah, a... They should add a. They should add a. They should add a funeral for that, for that animatronic. <laughs> like well, the, dude. Okay, so since I I am unfortunately a uh, just repository of useless movie information, uh, there was an effects. I think it was uh, ran by. I think it was ran by Frank Ippolito, the dude. Uh, so he's a he's a student of Winston's, not a direct student, but definitely an effects like inspired by directly. And one of uh, the things that his studio, or a studio, it may not even be associated with him, but a studio in California got a lot of props from the Stan Winston archive. And one of them was the T-Rex. 
but since when, since uh, in even in the early nineties, uh, latex uh, or uh, silicone still wasn't being used. So all of that T Rex is latex, and latex has a shelf life. So it's you know it's all decayed and it's all it's just the 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 body of it. And the funny thing, uh, the 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 funny story that I was reading online about it when I when I heard that that came out of it was being restored, is that uh, the animatronics were housed um, in these watertight containers. What Winston thought was watertight for the amount of water that was going to be on it, but but since it was subject to ten times what it was rated for, water gets in, got in and caused shorts in the capacitors. So what, the funny thing that water is, water loves electricity, but it's also an incredible transfer of electricity. So if you're in water and, uh, you know, if, if you're standing on land and lightning strikes over there, you're going to be okay. But if you're in water and lightning strikes 100 feet from you, you're probably not going to be too happy about it. So what this, these capacitors, what happened was they got water in them and they actually held small bits of electricity and would discharge at random rates as this thing was drying out. So you would be in the shop at like, you know, nine o'clock at night, pitch black, turning lights off. And this 40 foot animatronic T-Rex would like lurch at you. <laughs> it would go Rawr! like the mouth would open like that's, accidentally. That's... The tail would whip and like, Dude, oh my god. That is that is totally where the Jurassic Park ride was born, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like from people like reporting that and being like that scared the shit. I mean they're like, we need to do yeah, this. To, like to this people to that don't know that this is gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Like, no, yeah, it's, it's a... incredible, dude. Like it's it's one of those scenes that like like I said, it it, I, it it's a tough one, right? Because people are always like oh well you know nostalgia and stuff like that it's just like it's it's not that it's not that i don't like modern movies i love a lot of modern movies Mm -hmm. but i i don't i'm not a fan of effects these days really like because like i said it's fine in the first viewing but when i was a kid i would watch a movie 200 times if i liked the movie i would watch it over and over again and today you can't do that because those the, the digital effects age so quickly that mm-hmm. they're easy and cheaper to accomplish than practical, which I understand, but it's the shelf life and, and the shelf life isn't good. It, 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 it's, it's getting a bit, I, I actually, do you know what? I don't think it is actually. I take that back. I was going to say it's getting a bit better, but it isn't because the shelf life is always the same. The technologies are advancing at such a rate where like just the same, like Thanos today in, Endgame is got the same lifespan as Yoda did in Episode One of Star Wars. Like, mm-hmm. whereas you know Star Wars fucking Return of the Jedi, that Yoda still that he's there, that's really there, and you know what I mean like, and that's why that's why the whole puppet thing, the Henson House stuff like that, like that should that yeah, like now you're looking at it and you're like, okay, if you want longevity you need to in you need investment right like you need to invest in the more expensive more the more expensive more um labor intensive ways of effects because yes. it, 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 they they 
that it, it translates maybe not into your instant results at the box office, but in longevity of the movie and stuff like that. Like that's why we're still talking about Jurassic Park. You yeah, know I, mean? I mean that's um, why we're still talking about both of these movies. Yeah, it, it's it, it really is. It it it's something that it, it's crazy to think. Like episode one was like what like nineteen ninety nine. Like something like that. Like uh, yeah, I believe episode episode one was episode one was between ninety nine and two thousand one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was, that... was ninety nine. Yeah, it was ninety nine. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and like the Yoda in that aged overnight. Like you watched yep. it the first time, you're like, "That's cool," and then you watched it once it came to DVD, and you're like, "What the fuck?" Is yeah, that? exactly. And then, and, like they uh, built those effects for the theater, and yeah, you know, back it in is... the back in the uh and 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 as a and as a contrast not even a contrast as a, as a as a parallel between Die Hard and Jurassic Park you know Die Hard was made in the 80s where you know and not necess- we're not necessarily thinking about uh the VHS crowd even even though it's there it's still kind of in its infancy you know Die Hard yeah. when Die Hard's made in 83 it's you still are kind of, I mean, VHS is still pretty new to the whole thing, like Betamax and all those stuff. So, and they're still costing a whole bunch of money. You know, it's like, it's, it's like DVDs were when they first came out, you know, they were like 50, yeah. 60 bucks. And now you can get it. Now you can get a handful of them for a couple dollars. You know, the first, the first DVD that I ever owned, right. I got a DVD player for Christmas and I didn't get any DVDs with it, which was like well, sure, I, because I the just, DVD player probably cost like a hundred bucks yeah, or dude. something was, like that. Yeah, was, for yeah. sure, it was expensive as fuck. So like, I had that hooked up. I had a, I had a, uh, a box TV, you know, one of those old box TVs with a VHS player, and then I put my DVD player on top of that thing. I had all, I had a chest full of VHS, and um, just trying to find a DVD that I could afford like yeah it's insane um, the first one i got hold of was um lara croft tomb raider Mm -hmm. Um, but for good reason um i didn't know i was a kid at the time so i was like fucking angelina jolie in my dvd player on the yes (laughs) like this is (laughs) like pause like I've got pause, I've got like stop and start and shit. I'm just like this pause, is gonna I've got, be. I've got frame by frame. I've got dude, everything. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm like, dude. As soon as Gia drops down in price, like, <laughs> dude, like people don't understand. Like when, like, kids today were robbed of that because I, I don't think that people understand like how hot she was. <laughs> like, uh, like I, I, I don't know. Like, like. Like we talked about earlier, there's things that burn bright and there's things that burn long. Now Jennifer Aniston is a thing that burns hot and long, but like you can't blame Brad Pitt because this bitch burned bright, dude. Like, mm. like it was like what the f-? like there wasn't anyone else that I've ever seen in my life that looked like that. It yeah. was just like what no, it was is a completely this? unique experience. Uh huh. Yeah, you're like, what is this? What is this being? Like it's not even human i've never seen like you know like you know women and shit but like at that time you're just like whoa yeah like she took over dude she did for it for a short while there she had it by the neck if only it was a couple years later i think she would have had more like 
money from that mm-hmm. because I, I think it just fell at like a weird time, right? Like in a yeah. crossover and and uh-huh. like, well, again, it was like the uh, we were talking, we we're you know talking about two different eras of film between Die Hard and Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park. Uh, Jurassic Park, the first, at least the trilogy, you know, before all the other movies came out and everything. Jurassic Park one through three, they all, all those movies kind of happened where there was this flood of big blockbuster effects films. You know, you got Jurassic Park, and then two years later, Toy Story comes out, and Toy Story is this is like, Toy Story is in my mind the cinematic scene change. Where we go yeah. from everything's got to be practical, everything's got to be, yeah, yeah, okay, we dinosaurs, we're going to have some CG, but we want a lot of it to be practical. And then Toy Story happens and everyone's like, wait. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, it... we can do, we could do animation like that, that translates that well. And does I mean, it obviously doesn't look real, but looks real enough to the point where now we can create fully CG characters and and make movies with them that don't look campy, that don't look like a cartoon, that actually look like movies. And then we make the mistake of creating Jar Jar fucking Banks, and it's like, well, okay, well, that's dumb. <laughs> yeah. and yeah. but but cinephiles and people that love movies go that shouldn't have happened but everyone else is like that's amazing and then we you know then then we have to deal with with and it sounds like we're hating and you know being really really uh judgmental and and prudish about about digital effects when I mean, it's incredible what they could do, and you know, a movie you mentioned Avatar and Valerium and all and all that, and yeah. that's and that's when when it's when it's appropriate. Like, if you're gonna do a CG film, do a CG film. Put shit on the screen that is impossible. Yeah, you know, but, that, but even then, I mean, I mean, if you look today with like the capabilities, I mean, they use it in some of the more recent Star Wars with like the deep fake technology and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, look how short lived that was, though. Yeah, like because at first you were like, "Oh my god, that's something," but as soon as your brain figures that out, yep, you start to see it, the anomalies. You start to see the and, and that's something that you can't do with practical effects because mm-hmm. they're really there. They're on set on camera and there's this layer between you and them mm-hmm. and so for all intensive purposes that's real yeah right like and, and that's just the thing that i i find that i don't know like i said i know it's cost effective i know all that but like for the first viewing sure but like lifespan is terrible for the investment like if you're looking at like if you look at any sort of investment you're looking for longevity for your money and yeah. uh, for digital effects the longevity yeah, it's changing so even today it's just evolving at such a rate where it's just like it's not even worth it like it's, it's really not because in like six months that movie's gonna look like shit <laughs> like it just mm-hmm. is and uh for the amount of money you spent on it it's crazy i mean people got people have achieved greater results with far less i mean like oh, I said, yeah you, exactly like you know like i'd like an 
you know, people say like Avatar and um, Valerian is like these groundbreaking things. I'm just like, dude, have you ever seen like the Labyrinth or like Dark Crystal or fucking? Oh my god, shit like Dark that? Like, Crystal. You know, I mean, like Dark Crystal, man. It's it's just you could watch that today, and that is all real because it mm-hmm. is like it's yeah. you know the fantasy world that isn't real, but like all the stuff you're seeing is real, and your brain understands that, and it just works. Um, yeah, there's you know. There's a definite Even with the disconnect movie, that happens. It's like, uh, like Johnny Five, right? He's yeah. really there. <laughs> yeah, man. He's Short, really there. Short Circuit was pretty groundbreaking as far as uh, as far as making the main character completely animatronic and having it be on film for a majority of the movie. Like that was kind of a that was people look at that movie and it's like, yeah, it's fucking silly. You know, it's this you know weird guy with a with a nondescript accent and, you know, he builds this weird robot and people don't look at it as, as the, as the, um, as the touchstone for effects that it was. It's like they were able to make a completely animatronic character. They built a robot. They Johnny yeah. five, like you're saying, yeah. like you're yeah, saying, exactly. Johnny real, five, dude. people he's love real. Johnny five because he's fucking real. Like yeah. they built a robot to play a robot in a movie. <laughs> these yeah. days, these days, Johnny Five would be. I would if they remade that movie. I don't think one bit of him would be practical. I think every no, single time well, you just see have him, to look at. Um, I, I think maybe like his Wally, head. Maybe his Wally head is the, anim- is the animation alternative to mm-hmm. Johnny Five. Isn't yeah, it? No. exactly. And again, that was groundbreaking as it is. And I and, and the problem is, I think it's 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 what you're trying to achieve. And I think today in movies, what we're trying to achieve is box office. Whereas back in the day, it was of course box office is in your mind, but it's also um, longevity. Because if you if you think like, so in my childhood, I was watching things like The Jungle Book and. Uh, shit like that you know and, and you're like oh that's from my childhood this is no it's from your fucking parents childhood that movie is old as shit that was animated mm-hmm. so fucking long ago the voice actors are so good like so good for those classic disney movies dude the way that those men talk is just like i've never heard anybody sound like that that is it's so amazing right like when voice yeah. actors weren't just guys speaking to it like that they had like a talent where it was like mm-hmm. wow i can listen to you say anything um, and, and that's when you realize the longevity of a, a, a movie like The Jungle Book, right? And, and and how long that lasted, how many childhoods that was it's capable cur- it's of It's currently like. in my children's childhood, man. That's yeah, how crazy yeah, it, that it, is. It, it's so Four insane, generations right? of humans. Yeah, and, and, and it still holds up, and it, the animation is still as good, and, 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 and so on, you know? And, and today it's... Like I said, it, it does sound like we're griping on it, but like I said, I think today with everything that we do, is it's all quick results. Like it's all like because because here's why I don't like when movies get rated off box office score because box office score doesn't mean shit. It just means that you tricked me into watching something. What counts for me if a movie is good is DVD sales, downloads. Who watched the movie and was like, I'm buying. Because that's yeah. what used to matter, right? Mm-hmm. The cinema was the first point of contact. I, I can't think of many movies today 
but compared to like when I was a kid growing up, where like when I was a kid growing up, I'd watch a movie in a fear, which was like a rare thing. But if I did, I'd be like, I'm buying that movie. I'm yeah. buying this. Like I need to own this. It was it was almost like the cinema was like an advertisement for the sale of the thing. Whereas mm-hmm. like today, it's like, why are you even making DVDs anymore? Because no one's gonna watch this again. Like nobody. Yeah, is gonna... it's very, like the funny thing about the whole DVD industry is that it's the only reason it still survives is because of old movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know a sing. I don't know a single person that has more than a handful of brand new movies in their DVD collection, unless they're a serious collector and, and whatnot. And then that's you know it's a different story. But yeah. with with the streaming services, and it is the reason that we made this podcast. You know, with the streaming services and how convoluted everything is, it's nigh on impossible to understand why one thing is good and one thing is not, which is one reason why you should experience all of it. But it's it's another reason that going back to the old movies is what people nowadays are doing. Because they find yeah, utility uh, in it, they find they they latch on to a charm that older movies had that new movies this, don't. I, I feel like um, so so like when I feel like when I was growing up, that like a Hollywood movie, like a proper movie that you would own, um, there was a standard. Like there was just this standard that like if you watch a movie that had this brand on it so like back in the day if you watched like a disney movie and it had that the blue fucking screen and the cast would come up and the star mm. would go over the top if you watched that on an old animated movie you were you knew this is a good this is going to be good like yeah it's going to be a good cartoon it's going to have whatever you know and, and, and all this um whereas like today because of all the doors that opened which were great so you had like you know like i think a big uh, as much as people try and take away from it, I think that like Kevin Smith breaking into Hollywood was a big thing globally for movies, right? Because I think it showed that anyone could, if you want to do it, you could do it. But I also think that we reached this like middle ground where it's not just that people in Kevin Smith's kind of shoes who wanted to make movies tried; it's also that the bar got lower because they were like people like these. So mm-hmm. we're going to lower the bar and let more of them in. Right. And then what happened was, is that like the standards all dropped in scene in, in sense of that. And so you ended up with more, you know, budget friendly um, movies and stuff like that. Whereas like some of these movies from back in the day, like if you look at like, we've talked about like never ending story and shit like that. I mean, the budget for that, like, dude, like I wouldn't even want to guess like that. That's a lot of money for, for back at that time. Like, I can't How even... much money did they make? I, I I would be surprised that they made very much, like in terms of profit, right? You know, for the probably event. not. Yeah, and and it, and that's where it came down to, and that's because those people who made movies back then made it because they loved doing it, because they were mm-hmm. skilled at doing it. And whereas, like today, with you know, we've got like the YouTubes, the TikToks, and stuff like that, and it's people who like I'm I'm sorry, but like. The, those movies that came out was like made on iPhones. Like, I'm not fucking impressed. Like I said, you know, I mean, they made far better movies with lesser technology back in the day. Like, give me some fucking cool shit. Like, stretch your mind a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, be creative. Yeah. 
And it's just like today, it's like we have all this technology you'd expect to see amateur uh, filmmakers making great movies. And really, it's still all the same. It's, it's maybe worse than it was back in the day, where it's just like, I'm just going to point a camera at this guy and he's going to do some stuff. You know, right. like, and it's so insane for the amount of technology we have available to us. Um, and cost effective even if even if you were like oh well, not everyone knows how to animate but like there's things out there where you can employ a, and there's plenty of people with those qualifications now without the job market to back them so mm-hmm. they're independently doing that like there's ways of doing it and it's just like it's not there like you know what i mean like it's like they're making it for cheaper and still wanting the same amount of money for the result and for it's just return. not a work yeah exactly yeah. i think um and the, the funny thing is we go off on a lot of tangents, but somehow we always keep a vein going through from our original point, talking about Die Hard and Jurassic Park and their impact on the movie industry. It's also, and, and this is speaking, I mean, we're, we, we're going to talk a little bit about the, uh, the subsequent movies that come after the first ones, you know, all the sequels and whatnot. But when you look at Die Hard, you, you look at a movie that is technologically operating towards the outer operating towards the outer reaches of tech for that movie, for those movies at that time, all of the, uh, you know, all of the perspective shots, all of the camera work, all of the visual effects for the guns, all of, you know, it, all the, all the stuff that goes into that movie and you also have to remember that, you know, John McTiernan is shooting in a glass box, basically. Do you and I I defy every any single person listening to this podcast to go watch Die Hard and see one reflection of a camera. That's not going in post production and wipe and digitally erasing that camera. It's nineteen eighty three. That shit's not possible. It's the fact that he's using the most up to date technology at the, they, they're there. He's pushing so far out. And then Jurassic park again, is that for 19, the 1993 crowd, that's a movie that pushes so far to the edge of what is technologically possible that it almost goes over the deep end, right? That there's yeah. almost stuff that Spielberg saw from the Michael Crichton novel. That was like, I want to put that on film and, it's almost like, well, we'll wait, because we, that's not, we can't do that. And then you, then obviously ways are found to, to make the vision happen. My point that I'm trying to make is that I believe nowadays we are operating so far from what's actually possible. Like, yeah. like, it it seems, it seems that these $500 million, $600, $700 million effects films are relying on they're relying on sort of almost outdated techniques not any fault of theirs it's because the technology moves so like a marvel film takes what two years to to film how many how many times does i i would want to know it'd be an interesting thing to to learn how many firmware and software updates happen during the course oh. of that of making that film and and how many times are you faced with well we can't do that now or you know this is a thing that we can do but uh, it's changed some like i don't i don't think that 
that currently we're capable of pushing that envelope like that because yeah. as close as we get to all right, this is it. Like this is the most technologically advanced that we can get. The second that that's said, the bar is now pushed just as far away from you as it was when you first thought about this. Like I, I, I just think I, I just think that there's a disillusion with what digital effects are capable of. Like I think over time, we've established enough to know that they are not capable. Digital effects are not capable of creating an on-screen character that's compelling. For a meaningful amount of time that's going to last sure. in, in through multiple viewings um i just think that they use it beyond its means I, I think that digital effects have its place in you know perhaps like green screen and settings and maybe effects even you know like when we talk right. effects we used to mean explosions and and things like this like ways to save us money but now it's like anything when you're making a movie if you have something that's remotely out of the box you're like digital 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 it's just like yeah i think some things could be easily achieved practically mm -hmm. right and, and then sell 110 percent better on camera yeah and that's not everything practical but i just think that some things need to be practical and especially that goes towards i mean like i said the, the yoda one for me is the the tested tried method is like george lucas made a believable living breathing yoda in the original trilogy that had not been remotely rivaled by any advanced technology in the, the other ones, you know what I mean? Outside of its first viewing. And that's that's kind of where I, I get at. It's like, I think that, so you look at like a movie like Valerian, which is like visually beautiful and stuff like that. And I think, yeah, like the setting, the backdrop, the effects and everything like that awesome digital that works but like when you're dealing with characters and stuff like that like the human mind's ability to break things down in a personal space like that when you include a character with feelings dialogue and whatnot like it's just too good like it, you might be able to get past one viewing about people feeling weird about it but like like i said it's, it's where the money's made now isn't it it's, it's mainly off of that first view no one's selling dvds like i can't think of I, I don't even think kids do that today. Like, but like when I was a kid, I watched the movies I liked a hundred times. Oh yeah. And um, I, I can't I think of a film it. I could. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't think of a film, a more modern film I would do that with today. What mm. um, one of the one of the stupider ones that I did was like I watched Constantine with Keanu Reeves when I went to bed for like a year. Like it was just, my that explains just quite a bit Warren. Like, that really does. Yeah. <laughs> I just watched that for like a solid year. Every, every night when I went to bed, cause it was just, in I did that with Shaun just... of the dead. Yeah. I did that with Shaun of the dead but... was like, was the thing it was, it was specifically the DVD commentary track. I put the DVD commentary track. I put Shaun of the dead on with a DVD commentary track on and I'd go to bed to it. I, it was probably for a year. It was probably for more than a year. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it, like I said, uh, it, it's not so much hate, and I just think that they need to accept it, because uh, the whole thing that, like, digital has no limits and stuff like that, I, I mean, I, I don't believe it. I think that there's just, there's things that you can do with it that nothing else can do. Yes, like, absolutely. For sure. mm -hmm. But I just think you can't, it's not a one-stop shot, and, and it, it's, yeah. it's starting to show, because, like, the reason... So, like, if you think of, like, uh, we're, we're talking superhero movies again. So, like, let's say, like, we'll compare Marvel 
like look at when like the original superman came out or even the first tim burton batman film i mean there wasn't a need to like instantly follow that up like they made sequels for sure but like that movie was watched over and over and over again Mm -hmm. because people were like this is amazing there's so many marvel films now I didn't even have the time to watch them more than once. <laughs> like, I, yeah, you it, know what I mean. Like, it's that it's like we move from we move from the seven like the really the only movies that were that were doing sequels from you know from the seventies up through the eighties and into the early nineties were horror movies. I mean, and that's because they're low budget films that are trying to franchise into actually making money. You know, and yeah, then. You have, and we lump and with the, the movies you you mentioned and everything with you know the first Tim Burton Batman, uh, the first Tim Burton Batman Jaws. Um, I mean, th- I mean, those are the two those are the two huge ones that I think that that people would uh, you know that people would probably see more than once uh, consistently. Well, I, do you know? I, I think that people would be quick to criticize the audience for it because, like, that's what that's what bad creative people do, right? Mm-hmm. Is when people start saying, "I don't like this," they're like, "Oh, it's blame the audience." Yeah, and it's like that's so disingenuous because, like, if you were like a true creative, you would be like self-examining, like, "How can I make this better?" Like, and, and so if you look at um, you know the practical effects in Burton's Batman, and um, and like I said, even pushing the envelope with the original Superman with Christopher Reeves, it's just like, it's so, like, the amount of effort and time and headache that went into achieving those things was not rewarded with an equal and opposite pay grade Mm -hmm. for what they did. No, exactly. It was because these people wanted to do it. And everyone said that they couldn't do it and they just wanted to do it to do it. And their pay stayed the same, right? Mm-hmm. And they had to do it within a budget constraint. Whereas like today, it's like all these actors and actresses complain about, like, oh, we don't get paid and we don't get shit like that. It's like, dude, like, I'm sorry, but like you guys cut corners at every opportunity and then still want like 14 bucks for a movie ticket. Like, you know what I yeah. mean? Like mm-hmm. you're making like four movies a year. It's like, maybe that's on you. Like maybe instead of blaming me for the money that I spend on your movie that you charge too much to watch, maybe you select your movies better. You know, maybe it starts with you, right? Mm-hmm. Charity starts at home. You, yeah, you that's know, true. Maybe say I'm gonna work with this guy because he knows what he's doing and he cares about it. Not this guy who says I know two million people who are gonna pay fourteen dollars to watch this. You know, I mean, like that yeah. for me is like. Just because I don't pay you $14 at the end of the day and you want to get pissed off that I'm watching on a streaming service that I pay for, mm-hmm. like, get fucked. Like, I couldn't care. Like, I really couldn't. It's, it, look, people are like, oh, these great actors and actors, like, dude, like, the, the great ones uh, are branching out. Like, if you look at, like I said, we were talking earlier, like, if you look at, like, what that directing in when they get into those creative shoes when they step out of acting they're doing stuff like that that's where you see what they're into you know what i mean you see the creatives aside from the people who are just jobbers you know what i mean like making money is is a thing but like i'm never gonna feel bad for anyone who is making that much money off of mediocre shit <laughs> like right that's just getting shot out on a thing i mean that's on that's on you like you you started your process off as an artist and wanting to 
you know, portray and create things. And if you sold out and now all of a sudden selling out isn't making you enough money, like I couldn't care. Like going to the mm-hmm. movies is expensive, motherfucker, and I don't get paid like you do. You know what I mean? Right. So like I gonna make something that's worth my fucking fourteen dollars. I'll get fucked. Like I, I really, like you well, know what that's, I mean? that's just that's it. a that's a, a point to bring up again, it's a point to bring up about both eras of, of film where you know we have the the era of the era of Die Hard, the era of the the exciting movie that is built around the singular character, right? We have so, well, Batman, uh, we have Die Hard, we have a bunch well, of other films like that. I'll put it this way: you want to talk about like all these people who are boohooing about how much they get paid? I bet you, if you put together how much Dwayne the Rock Johnson's made. In his movie endeavors here and then compare that to someone like arnold schwarzenegger that's unfair i don't know what those numbers are i don't know how close they are i've not looked this up but i can tell you right off the bat that's unfair yeah that's right? true that's unfair because what arnold schwarzenegger did for movies and especially action movies and stuff like that was so groundbreaking that anything dwayne the rock johnson's made that's even comparable to that is unfair that's that's a good you point. know what i mean Mm-hmm. And that's that's all I'd say. And that's not that he didn't earn his money or he didn't work hard for it. The dude's in every fucking movie I see. So, like, he, you know, he's working hard. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily on him, but the creative driving force behind it is just, like, it, like I say, it's just, it's not it's not genuine to me. It's, like, the, the, the and again, it's one of those things people will be like, oh, you know, they, they found it the way they took the second. Yeah, but it's like, that still doesn't make it. Why am I paying more for a worse movie? Right, <laughs> like, and right, like, and what the what I was gonna say about the the parallel between the two is like when you go from when you go from the the diehard era of movies, it being you know singular protagonist driven films, where the movie is about the main character, right? That's what the movie is about. Then you go into the Jurassic Park era where it doesn't become it's not about the singular character anymore. It's now about the effects of the film. It's now about we're going to make a movie that's so visually insane that you're not going to care about who's playing who and, and all that stuff. Because don't get me wrong, the uh, the the screen the the treatment that Spielberg uh, did for the Michael Crichton novel Jurassic Park was awesome. It was very well done. The characters are well flushed out and everything like that. But you can't take a film like that and put these A-list actors in it and expect them to be expect them to give 100% knowing that they're being upstaged by a giant hunk of metal and latex. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. like, and, no, and I'm not, true. and I'm not speaking on, you know, the the accomplishments of Sam Neill or uh, Jeff Goldblum or anybody else in that in that movie, Samuel L. Jackson. I'm not talking about that. Yeah. But, but those, but here's the thing with Jeff Goldblum and guys like that at that period, is they full well knew the groundbreaking project they were on, and they wanted to be a part of it. Exactly. That's the thing. I very much doubt that Spielberg was chasing these guys. I think the offer got laid and mm-hmm. it was, if you want, well, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, and that's a testament to Spielberg in and of himself, because you, you see 
you see the near, you know, it's at the time, it's almost 20 years since Jaws. It's 15 years since Jaws, you know, 70, 78, 76, 74, almost 20 years since Jaws. And they see, they see big effects film, Steven Spielberg. Yeah, I need that. I did not know who Sam Neill or Jeff Goldblum were until I saw Jurassic Park. And I was like, oh, new actors. Yeah. I've never seen these people. The, Little did I know the, that Sam ne- it's like yeah. this breadth of work that goes back. And Jeff Goldblum, all the way the back, fucking, you know, big chill. The very, and... next, the very next thing I watched of Jeff Goldblum was The Fly. And Same. I was far too young for that. And it was Same. terrifying. And yeah. It wasn't cool at all. It wasn't as cool as he made himself out to be in Jurassic Park, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. fucking terrified and ultimately shocked by what well I that's your that that's that's your that's your fault from going from spielberg to cronenberg that's your fault it's a that's a but, that is a first I, I year know, move man. There, like, my I, friend. I, I i put it this way it's like and, and not so much about like I'm, I'm not harping on about the price of movie tickets or nothing like that but just like ultimately like the money these people make and what they're creating and it's just like the profit margins grown so much right right no, yeah, that, margin, it, it, i mean there's always been a huge profit margin in being a hollywood actor especially in the a-list but uh, 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 for a good movie i mean you're taking a, a cut like the movie's gonna cost this much i can pay you this much but everyone's gonna see it and it's gonna be the biggest thing whereas like you see and now everyone's trying to be like what's the cheapest oscar winning movie i can make like, how about yeah. someone playing chess and stuff like that? And, uh, as groundbreaking as well written and story wise and stuff like that, sure. Like, I'm not taken away from that, but that is the way that we're going. Like, let's not let's not fucking beat around the bush. I mean, we're we're about we're about two steps away from making a fucking movie about noughts and crosses. I mean, like we're right there. <laughs> like we are. Like that's how close we are. But like, what's the least we can spend to make? You know, they're playing noughts and crosses, but she's got cancer. And uh, we just, we just, you know, and it's just like, and, and that's where we're going. And it's just like, what's the most mundane thing that we can make compelling? And that's where the Oscar route is going. And then the other route is just like, we, we're probably not going to win Oscar, but let's fucking make a movie. Let's make seven of them. Let's make seven movies about race car drivers who aren't race car drivers, who are also police officers and undercover police officers who aren't police officers and like and it's just like it gets and to then, the point where you're just like have you ever heard of like big trouble in little china like i i like i grew up with movies that just were what they were and they didn't apologize for what it was exactly it was like, this is it and this is what's happening and he's in chinatown and there's ancient chinese magic and i'm like yes there is there i'm is. in soon as soon as you said ancient Chinese magic, I was sold. Truck drivers, mullets, fuck it. Yeah, he's in a movie where he wears an eye patch. I'm in. Like I'm yeah. sold. Uh-huh. Like just sell what it is. Like just give me ex- what it an is. Expl- and I'll watch it. An exploding Shaolin monk. I'm there. Yeah, and, and it's <laughs> a just guy like, that has I... blades in his hands. Uh huh. Yeah. A dude that dude, can control it, it... lightning. A Raiden reference before before Mortal Kombat. Yeah, it was it was Mortal Kombat before Mortal Kombat happened. That's what exactly it was. It was like everything they needed and Johnny Cage so was Jack well. Burton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just done so well that like 
the money that Kurt Russell made from that movie was probably not even a quarter of what The Rock made doing fucking, um, you know, fucking walking tall, which was like his worst one, his first. You know, what I mean, it's just like, and, and you know, you can't. Undo I happen that. to think. Go, I happen to think that's that's the best movie The Rock's ever done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, do. no, for sure. But um, no, it's it's just one of those things. Like, I'm not saying like go back and just give Kurt Russell money. I'm just saying like maybe we should expect more though right like i don't think it's bad as an audience to expect more i think i think that like too many people especially like with the huge fan base like marvel has is like they've forgotten like the fundamental of of movies is that like we are the most important thing it's either the movie's good or it's bad it doesn't matter if they were like, oh, well, we just tried to make it good for you. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't give a fuck what you tried to do. I don't like it. And it's shit. And, like, the, the biggest mistake you can do is, like, underestimate your audience. If you assume that your audience is stupid, they're going to pick up on it. And they're not going to like it. But some people do. Like, today we're in a period where, like, you can assume your audience is just like, well, you know, we're just going to do all this stuff because that's how stupid they are. And people just eat it up. And it's just like, no, I, I hate that. I, I fucking hate that. Like, you know, you got to assume better of them, you know, like, it's just so like, uh, one, one of the like common things for like, um, just, just for instance, like we talk about like great films, it's something that we talk about a lot, but you look at like something like Goodwill Hunting, right? Bring it up a lot, but it's because of, uh, it's called cool, a simple movie to film, but in its essence, is a story that without someone like Robin Williams on the payroll, that movie's never getting made because agents are going to look at that movie and read it and be like, do you know what? It's too intelligent. It, it's too wordy. They're not going right. to like it. It's, there's, there's, there's not, uh, there's, there isn't, uh, you know, there isn't some kind of lofty exposition or anything like that. It's a very heady yeah. film and it's not going to, it's, it's a great, Great independent film, guys. I hope you get it made. That's what it would. That's what they would say. Yeah, and and for me, I, I think that's a huge shame because I could do with less of the movies that they think that I would like, and more of the thinky, smart, artistic movies that they're like, mm, like, <laughs> they're like yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, it's and that's a that's a. Uh, I mean, it's an incredible point. It's a very very uh, like. It's kind of if if that's not something you viewer reader uh has have considered it's like you know again why this podcast exists is we're trying like you should definitely go outside of your comfort zone when it comes to entertainment like this and if your comfort zone happens to be big block big blockbuster films if that's what you gravitate towards Go back in time here. Don't don't go and just watch the newest, latest, greatest Marvel movie. Go back to a time where blockbuster meant this movie has to hit every point, all cylinders firing. There has to be no weak points in this film. Every actor that we put in place in prominent roles has to be, you know, put, there's no CGI to cover it up. If this if if Avengers is made thirty five years ago, Mark Ruffalo is not the Hulk. No, no fuck no, no way. He might be a fantastic actor, 
but dude's got a dad bod. That's not happening, okay? Dude, no, it's going to be like, you it's know. It's going to be Lou Ferrigno. Have... Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, bro, we like... talked about that. <laughs> but it's, We're going to have like, uh, like Lou Ferrigno and then uh, Franco Colombo is going to play Bruce Banner. <laughs> like, just, yeah, to, just, like, just to show you the, the like, stature change. Precisely, like, still. yeah. Like, have you ever looked at, like, the comic books or the, even the cartoon series? I mean, Bruce Banner is not a wimp. He's built as fuck. Yeah, like, he's you a, know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, exactly. The he had the muscle dude. structure. He had the muscle yeah. structure for the gamma radiation to... to, dude, to starts with genetics, son. You can take but all like, the stacks you want. But now, it's it's as though... I mean, when and when we talk, talked about it, the when uh, the point was brought up that... <laughs> Die Hard is kind of the end of an era almost that that era of action an era of blockbuster where it's centrally focused towards character and then we go to the effects okay. films I, and then I can tell you right now is it stops I, I, I don't mean to interrupt you but I can tell you right this I, I'll tell you right now that I can describe like a hundred percent of action movie posters in a brief sentence it's a dude, 45 degrees, with a handgun pointing downward as he looks 45 degrees into the opposite distance. Not quite right directly at you, but almost at a distance. And there's some blue technological streaks going up and down behind him. Yep. And then a little phase, and then the star of the movie. And that's every action movie that's been made in the last 20 years. And it's fucking annoying. Like, movie yeah, posters exactly. used to be tits. Yeah, they look like the used... Die Hard poster. Like, it's yeah, they used awesome. to be amazing. And, you know, there are exceptions to the rule, like John Wick and The Matrix and all those movies. And, you know, that that uh, it's funny that the John Wick and The Matrix are the two action type films that I describe as being gems. And they both star Keanu Reeves uh, just tells you that Keanu is timeless and we need to protect Keanu. I can't wait yeah. for the fourth installment, though. I think I think Matrix 4 is going to be, cool. be good. I think it's going to be pretty cool. I think we're going to see a mature uh I don't know. There's something that happened with the story. I don't know. I haven't done much research. I don't know if even the Wachowskis are involved, or the, if the problem um... for me. The problem for me is um, again, like I understand that there's a bunch of douchebags who hate females being in movies at all. I understand that that's a thing, and I don't fall into that category. But one thing that I don't like is, uh, you know, maybe, maybe twenty, nearly like twenty something years on from one of my favorite childhood franchises like Bill and Ted and I rent the movie and then I find out that this movie isn't about Bill and Ted it's about two girls that definitely aren't Bill and Ted that are now going to be Bill and Ted and it's just like I feel like it's disingenuous for you to have taken my money for me to come and watch Bill and Ted when the movie is actually about two people who aren't Bill and Ted like I, I don't like that and it's not because I don't like females in movies there's plenty of movies like we talk plenty about female action heroes and Resident Evil stuff like that. I love yeah. it. But if it is what it is, then just fucking do that. I'd probably watch it. If you made a time travel movie with two chicks instead of two guys and it was just like female Bill and Ted or, you know, maybe not that. That would probably piss me off just as much. But, you know, female time travel movie, I'd watch it, dude. Like, I'd have no problem with it. But I hate it that they use these platforms of your childhood that you're attached to and be like, oh, but they're girls now. And just be like, okay, like... I'd be mad if they were squirrels. Like it would still be just as annoying to me that right. like, you've taken like that you've taken my money for two characters' namesakes that aren't these people, and I'm gonna watch it. And so the thing that's scary about the Matrix is like Neo's gonna be like, I'm not the one, she's the one, and it's Ray from Star Wars, and they're gonna remake the first Matrix movie with a girl, and Neo is more and Neo is Morpheus now, 
I'm, I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying. Dude, you just, just completely saying. crushed me. <laughs> I'm just saying. I hope that isn't the case, but it's just like. Well, I'm it's not even the fact here. that it's a, that, that I don't even necessarily think that that might be a, the fact that it's a girl. I think it's the fact that, you're, that they're taking, they're taking characters that we know and love and should not be messed with. It's, and it's not so much making that. them different. Like I said, it, it wouldn't matter if it was a fucking dog. I don't care. It's not the fact that it's a woman. That's why a lot of the pushback gets come back, like with the Ghostbusters thing and stuff like that. It's not yeah. that. It's just like that if you are going to make something, then like make it. Like don't use this namesake and then not use it and then yeah. turn it into something else. Because then, of course, people are going to be disappointed. You know, if I tell you it's fucking. You know, I go to like Ulta and I start selling nail polish polish that's actually like meat broth. People are going to be annoyed, like because it's not what you paid for, right? And like dogs won't leave you alone, and like you know, like stuff like that. Like it's annoying, but like, like I said, there's plenty of um, movies. Like you could make all of those movies with those same genre of movies with females, absolutely, and they'd still be probably just as successful. But you're hurting yourself when you were like Rambo first period like right <laughs> like right and then like that's that's not gonna do well because you've already like insulted the audience that's what you've done that's where the problem is it's not that the audience doesn't want to watch a, fe- a strong female lead go on this journey it's that you've insulted them you've like literally been like you're so stupid <laughs> that I can make a new movie under the same name and you'll still pay me money. It's like, no, like, yeah, that's, that's, that's the, that's the point of that. And that's, and, and unfortunately that is, that is where cinema has gone over the past like two decades.